Hello, church family. Um, this is actually going to be part two of our series on the Black Lives Matter. Um, I think I want to just start, and like I said in the other ones, I'm going to just read to you their statements on what we believe. And I was doing some more research, and I realized that maybe I should draw some other things that they've said in, on other websites and other mediums as well. But primarily what we're going to do is just look at the things that they've written in the website. And we want to be able to analyze it uh, biblically and so that we're able to know uh, what we believe and what we don't believe. Um, and I think part of the reason why this group could be so appealing is it is because we agree with some of the things that they're saying, um, some of the things that they say that we're for. And I think, let me re reiterate the two that we for sure are for, uh, the statement, Black Lives Matter. We are for uh, the protection of our African-American uh, citizen, whether well, it's brothers in the church, brothers and sisters in the church, or just uh, black lives in general. Uh, we want them to have life. We don't want them to be killed. Uh, so in that sense, we do affirm it. Um, and the second one, we do uh, affirm that if there is some sort of corruption in the police system that they are intentionally, intentionally targeting and hurting um, African Americans, yeah, we're against that too. We want there, there to be some sort of reform uh, so that the li black lives can be spared. Um, but again, on the surface, we agree with those two things. And I think it, it, it kind of starts out that way in the way that they um, explain things uh, or even maybe the movements. But as you will see on their websites and even throughout all these different uh, mediums and uh, other websites that, that their, you know, their leaders and other people in their movements are saying, it's more than just those two things. Um, and we need to be very cautioned, cautious about that because as Christians, we're called to, um, to analyze everything, to be good Bereans, to know whether or not the things that are being um, told to us or expected of us are actually things that God expects of us. And my hope is that this series will do that, and um, not just this one, but uh, in the next several ones uh, where Roger's going to talk about the theology. Um, I hope that all, I think maybe we'll do like three or four in total, All this whole entire series will be a benefit to you. Um, but before we get into the website, let me just open our time with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you can give us discernment um, in a time where truth is subjective and um, regulated to what's popular. We seek to not care about those things, but seek to strive for faithfulness uh, to you because your truth is consistent, because they are a reflection of who you are. You are a God that doesn't change, and neither does your word. Contrary to what the world thinks and what they expect of us, uh, we don't want to uh, bow the knee to the culture, but we want to bow our knee to you, Lord, uh, to your word, and, and we want to do all these things that, because they're pleasing to you. Uh, give us um, just an under, uh, understanding and teachable heart um, that we strive to uh, live and know your word uh, faithfully, Lord. Thank you for this time we have. Pray these in your son's name. Amen. So, in front of me, I have my notes, uh, my Bible, and I have my computer. And uh, the website that's in front of me is, is the What We Believe. So if you actually go on the website, there's a tab that says What We Believe. And even just looking at that, it should make you wonder, this sounds almost like a church, right? Like, because we have that in our website, What We Believe. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, to click on it, here's what it begins with. Four years ago, what is now what is now known as Black Lives 
Matter Global Network began to organize. It started out as a chapter-based, member-led organization whose mission was to build local power and to intervene when violence was inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. And these, in the, in the years since, we've committed to struggling together and to imagining and creating a world free of anti-blackness where every black person has the social, economic, and power to thrive. Now, I do want to say that I'm just going to stop and just kind of interject at times, and I'm going to try my best to not to speak in terms of things in a political way. I do want to uh, put those things aside, and what matters uh, to me is the biblical things. What are things that are actually against the word of God? Um, so uh, I'm just going to just, I just want to give, make that as a caveat. Uh, I don't want this to be about a political movement or whatever. I just want to make sure that we're uh, biblicists, that we know what God's word has to say. Okay, continue on. Uh, Black Lives Matter began as a call to action in response to state-sectioned violence and anti-black racism. Our intention from the very beginning was to connect black people from all over the world who have a shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impetus of that commitment was, and still is, the rampant, deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. Enraged by the death of Trayvon Martin and the subsequent acquittal of his killer, George Zimmerman, inspired by inspired by the 31-day takeover of the Florida State Capitol by Power U and the Dream Defender who took to the streets. A year later, we set out together on the Black Lives Matter Freedom Ride to Ferguson in search of justice for Mike Brown and all of those who have been torn apart by state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Forever change, we returned home and began building the infrastructure for the Black Lives Matter network, which even in the infancy has become political home for many. So this is actually like the history of it, but it's the very last sentence that I think we need to think about. It says that we, this has become a political home for many, which means that this is this movement is has an agenda. It has some sort of um, ideologies. It has some sort of political, obviously political movement behind it. Um, so it's it's not necessarily just strictly protecting the lives of uh, black lives. But they even said that there are more to these things. Uh, other people that are part of this are going to have uh, different views, and they are all going to work together with these views. If you remember what I said in the first one about all of the liberation theology, the uh, black liberation theology, LGBTQ, intersectionality, social justice, feminist theology, womanist theology, all of these things are going to come into play. If you remember all of those things, you'll see how they come about um, as I go through this some more. Okay, uh, Ferguson helped ca- helped to catalyze a movement to which we've all helped give life. Organizers who call this network home have ousted anti-black politicians, won critical legislation to benefit black lives and change the terms of the debate on blackness around the world. Though uh, movement and relationship building, through movement and relationship building, we have also helped catalyze other movements to shift a culture with an eye toward the dangerous impacts of anti-blackness. These are the results of our collective efforts. The Black Lives Matter network is as powerful as it is because of our membership, our partners, our supporters, and staff, and you. Uh, our continued commitment to liberation of all black people means we are continuing, continuing the work of our ancestors in fighting for our collective freedom because it is our duty. Again, they're, they're stating um, what they are doing and, and even their mission statement in a sense. Uh, every day we 
recommit to healing ourselves and each other and to co-create along comrades, allies, and family, a culture where each person feels heard and supported. We acknowledge and respect the celebrate difference in commonalities. We work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension, all people. So in a lot of ways they're saying that they are the spearhead of this. Uh, they are going to not only help uh, black people uh, have freedoms, but their hope is to have everyone else, that everyone else who they think are the oppressed will also have these type of freedoms. Um, moving on, we intentionally build and nurture a beloved community that is bonded together through a beautiful struggle that is restorative, not uh, depleting. Um, I think this is where we will start in terms of what one reason why uh, uh, we would not agree with uh, one reason why Christians should not be, or at least should be critical in terms of analyzing what they mean. So here's the first thing. Christians need to understand uh, their, their, their understanding of identity is different from the way that the, the believers understand identity. Here's what it says. We are unapologetically black in our positioning. In affirming that black lives matter, we not, we need not qualify our position. To love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. Uh, we see ourselves as part of the global black family, and we are aware of the different ways we are impacted of, uh, or privileged as black people who exist in different parts of the world. So this is uh, important for us because as Christians, we must understand that our identity is not strictly on our skin color. Our identity is more than that. God has created each and every single one with multiple different ethnicities in the world. Um, and each of un, each one of us look different. And that's great because it shows the beauty and creativity of our Lord. Um, but that is not something that we should cherish the most. Uh, I'm not saying that these things are not important because even the Bible speaks about how, and the book of Isaiah speaks about how when Christ returned, there will be people from every tribe and every tongue, every ethnicity, every people with different languages are going to come to the Lord. And that's, a, and that's a great thing, because as Christians, we know that each and every single one of us, although we look different, are made in the image of God. Um, Ephesians 2 tells us that, uh, I guess let me read this to you, Ephesians 2, chapter 10 to 16. It reads, for we are his workmen, created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that for, formerly you were the Gentiles in the flesh who are uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Um, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barriers of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that he in, him, in himself he might make two into one new man, thus establishing peace." And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the through the cross by having put to death the enmity. See, the Bible speaks about how there are two different people, classes of people. Right? There's a Jewish people that were that had the uh, covenant 
uh, relationship with the Lord, and then there's the Gentiles, everybody else. But through Christ, these things are removed. Uh, we, in the church, at least, there should be a, a sense in which we don't care about their externals anymore. All things that uh, that make us dis, um, distinct are are gone because we have a un- unity in Christ. Um, Galatians two. This is unfortunately the or, sorry. Galatians three. This is the verse that a lot of people uh, butcher. But this is it. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. So. No matter what your race is, no matter where you are in your social standing, no matter your gender, you are in Christ. So in the context of the church, the peace that the world wants actually should exhibit naturally in the church. Uh, we should see each other as people that are uh, that are one in Christ because Christ is our greatest and chief identity. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement, they even says here, they are unapologetically black. And they, and you'll see, as I just keep reading through this, they are emphasizing their skin color as the most important aspect. Um, and again, it's not to say that that's a bad thing, but it's that that's not, the, that we understand as Christian, that is not the most important thing. Paul says here in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 2, Beloved, be, oh, sorry, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who work, worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus not, and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. So Paul is saying, look, if there's anyone that's going to brag about their status, uh, their ethnicity, it's him. Uh, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as to law of Pharisee, as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, uh, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. See, Paul here understands that, yes, all these external things can give you some sort of boast and uh, boastful things to brag about. But he says these things are rubbish. So where rubbish here is, is poop. He sees all of these things and relative to the surpassing beauty and worth that is found in Christ, it doesn't even matter because we have Christ. And that's our chief identity. That is, I think, something that this group doesn't understand. Um, this group, and, and even every time a racial a group that supports their ethnicity and only that, they, they fail to see that there is a better identity. There's something better than your skin color. There's better than the, whatever, how, how, middle, how little or how much melanin you have. But rather, it's, it's, the, it's, your, it's found in Christ. This is why this group and all these other different groups are always trying to find a singular thing that they can unite around. And in this case, Black Lives Matter are, as they said, unapologetically black again it's not the skin color that's the problem it's the is that we this that they elevate this above everything else but as christians we want to offer them something better more than that we want to praise the lord for the skin color but we don't want to just leave them there and think that's it because we know that there is something greater a greater identity that is only found in the lord again the lord created all of us uh, with the different complexions and different physical features and different ethnicities, and we can, uh, and because of our identity in Him, we get to be with Him one day in the future. All of us, 
Revelation 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Uh, Revelation 7, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every tribe and, and all of every nation, all tribes and people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, at the very end, those who have placed their faith in, faith in Christ, they will actually keep their ethnicity, they'll even keep uh, their nationality, they'll even at some point, somehow even still have the same, keep their tongue, their languages, they may still keep, we may still have the languages and we probably will spend all of eternity learning other languages and communicate with each other as well. That's a lesson for another time. But all of us are going to be praising the Lord together because of not, uh, not, not mainly because of our skin color, but because of who Christ is. So that's where the first thing that we disagree with this, with the Black Lives Matters is how they identify identity and how they put emphasis on, 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 on skin color as opposed to something that we know is something greater. Uh, continuing back onto the website. Uh, we are guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious belief or belief in immigration status or location. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. Now, this is, uh, for us, uh, brings up the second um, thing that we see. The first we just saw was identity. Now we're talking about the human sexuality. Um, they, what's, uh, I think, I'm trying to see. There's a part, I think, somewhere down the line. Okay, yeah, so it, I'm jumping down a little bit. It says, we foster a queer-affirming network. We gather, uh, when we gather, we we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heterosexual normality, uh, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he, she, or they disclose otherwise. Uh, and there's another part that uh, I think I found where they basically talk about how um, uh, they're done away with cisgender. If you know, cisgender is like a, a strange term, but basically it's just... Um, God-given autonomy. Like they don't like the idea that there's only male and female in the world. Um, and there's a, other places where they talk about they're dismantling cisgender privilege. Uh, this idea is that because you're inherently male or inherently female, that you are somehow uh, better than those that are transgender LGBT or any other part of the LGBTQ. Um, and they, the reason why they are against this is because that means that uh, they themselves are able to uh, decide their own autonomy. Uh, but we know biblically that's not the case because scripture tells us that God created us. Although we are flawed and are broken, at the very beginning, God is the one who, who, who designed us. We know that Genesis 1, 27, that God made man in his own image. Psalm 139, verse 14, that God knit us in the room. In the womb, Isaiah 43, 7, it said that we were created for his glory. Ephesians 2, 10, what I read earlier, we were, we were made for his workmanship. Ephesians 3, 9 even speaks about how when we speak against one another, we can't speak against each other because we are made in the image of God. Matthew 19, 
and Mark 10 both speak of how in the beginning God created the male and female. Uh, God made them man and woman, and this is exactly as we are. Again, sin corrupts our thinking, and even at times sin corrupts our physical body, but it ultimately does not mean that that's the norm, because we know that God designed us a certain way, and the, and the fallenness of sin makes us desire things that we should not desire. Gender was invented by God. It was created by God, and it was assigned by God. And so for this group, or any group, to oppose gender is ultimately to oppose God. And you'll notice this is the phrase that they use, heteronormative. It's saying that heterosexuals is should not be the standard of what normal is. They even said, unless that person, he or she discloses it. And this is why the LGBTQIA uh, and even with this Black Lives Matter, this is why they ultimately oppose God's design. And again, to say that you can decide your own gender is actually a very prideful thing. Um, they hate the fact that God, God's handiwork in their life. They don't like the fact that God made them a certain way um, physically and you know, biologically, so they wanted to do it themselves. Um, they want to they want to decide on their own uh, who they want to be and who they want are allowed to sleep with. I mean, it goes against the boundaries of what God wants, us, uh, uh, what God expects of His creation. Um, and yes, this group is not strictly trying to promote a certain identity in terms of skin color, but they're, they're also, in the way that they describe human sexuality, is contrary to scripture. Uh, so that's, again, that's their understanding, but let's continue moving on. Um, we are self-reflexive, and we do not, and we do, and we do the work required to dismantle cisgender people, oh, here it is, and uplift uh, black trans folk, especially black trans women, who continues to be disproportionately impacted by trans and, and antagonistic violence. So again, you can see that they, their hope is to dismantle this idea of, of you know, cisgender, meaning people that have uh, one or two genders. Uh, uh, their hope is to get rid of all of that. And again, this is, this is their hope, is that somehow Black Lives Matter as a movement is not, is more than just protecting black lives now. They're saying now we need to protect black people that have a certain type of sexual orientation. But again, we have to think biblically about this because the Bible speaks on these issues and we need to know that, okay, um, these are wrong. Like we hold to a biblical worldview and we believe that this is, um, this is what's best for us because this is how God designed us. And this is why as Christians, we, we can't objectively say that we're going to be part of this group and not hold to all of these things that they believe. Again, this is on their website. It's, it's public knowledge. It's not something that I need to dig up too, too hard to dig up. Um, but that's their, their understanding of, of, of identity and, and gender. And, and gender. Um, moving on. Uh, let's see. Uh, we, where are we... Okay. We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, uh, misogyny, environment in which men are centered. Um this goes to our next point, uh, in that this is, is a intentional demand against male leadership. Now, the Bible speaks of male leadership in really in two contexts, the church and in the home. Um, so I am, what I'm about to say is basically this, is that it's okay for women to like be teachers and professors and 
be CEOs and stuff like that. That's not what the Bible is against. But oftentimes, people, when they see these verses, especially First Timothy 2, where uh, women are not allowed to speak in the church, and um, they see all of these uh, passages like Ephesians 5 about how women need to submit to their husbands and husbands need to lead their homes, Colossians 3, and uh, even Scripture in First Peter 3, it tells us how a woman needs to submit to their husbands. These things are offensive to them because they think that uh, that being having to submit to someone else is 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 dishonoring but we know that this is the beauty of god's design he wants this because this is his order he he our god is a god of order he built the structure he built the family in the church a specific way the church is to have male leaders uh, the, the, um, we're called <clears throat> by the lord uh, to 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 affirm male leadership and then this is because that's again like the lord uh, made Adam first as the head, and this is a picture of how he wants it to be. And in, in another way, saying God's church, God's home, God's rules. Uh, but oftentimes, uh, whenever I debate against people that are in the um, liberal Christians or egalitarians, oftentimes they'll cite these passages saying, "Look how sexist this is. What do you mean women can't teach? What do you mean women have to be quiet? Uh, are you saying that they can't be professors?" Like, no, that's not what they're saying. That's not what the passage is saying. It's saying in the context of the church. And then from there, there's usually the debate, well, why not? It's, and you know, we could get into this more later on, but it's basically, bottom line, it's because the Lord says so. Like, it's, it should, for the Christian, whatever the Bible says, we should be willing to do. Um, because we love the Lord, and we are his slaves. If the Bible tells us that Christians all need to, I don't know, wear like a purple shirt, we should do it. Because that's what God tells us to do. The, God, the Bible doesn't actually tell us to do that. But to the point is that, like, as Christians, we're followers of Jesus Christ, and we humbly submit to the word of God because we know that God is the creator of all things. So he knows what's best for us. He knows what uh, he, he has these expectations, and he wants us to follow through with these expectations because we belong to him. That is why, even in this in the Black Lives Matter, they're against these things. They uh if uh, they if they went to our church and start questioning why are there, aren't there any female or uh, or LGBTQ elders in our church, it's because we don't believe that these things are what God commands of us. So that's the third point. Uh, there's uh, there there's their stance on identity, their stance on on gender, their stance on male leadership, and we're going to continue. Um, we practice empathy. We engage comrades with the intent to learn about them and connect with their context. Uh, we make our spaces family-free, enable parents to fully participate uh, with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private, even as they participate in public justice work. I have no idea what that means, but I, I assume that there's people that actually think this way. Um, Okay, next. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure required by supporting each other as extended families and villages, and there's villages in quote, that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. So this gets to our next point that we need to think about. Their understanding of family. They've already said uh, earlier about how they don't want any male leadership, but they seem to have this idea that the nuclear family is not ideal, but it's weird because how do you define, what is a nuclear family? A nuclear family is described as a husband, a wife, and their kids. That's what is considered a nuclear family. But you know, biblically, that's what how the Bible describes a family, a father, 
a husband and a wife and a mother and kids, right? That's how they're describing family. They want to deconstruct this. Largely, I think it's just because um, people in, uh, that, 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 that buy into this, they don't want um, that type of structure of like male leadership. You know, again, it kind of goes back to the last one. But at the same time, there's also there's just this reality that they don't want uh, God's structure because that implies that there's a, a structure that's beyond them. But they see this thing as like uh, somehow, I guess, evil, a nuclear family as evil. Um, they they want to reject God's design for the family. And every time they anytime you reject anything that God has set in place, there's uh, there's going to be consequences um, and and. Again, not going to get into the politics of all of this, but you can see how their uh, their understanding of the family is is not that it doesn't align to scripture. They say they want to dismantle uh, the West or disrupt. They want to uh, get rid of um, the Western prescribed because the Bible is not a Western book. It's not written by white men or white Americans. You know, they're written by Jewish people uh, thousands of years ago. Um, so you know, when people say the Bible is a well, the Christianity is, is a white man religion. No, it's a, it's a Jewish religion. Um, anyways, uh, that's just a little. That's free. <laughs> but we. But here, this is like we disrupt the Western. So their their hope is to get rid of the family structure. So the view of male leadership, the way of family and parenting, uh, their view of uh, uh, their identity, skin color, and the view of, of human sexuality goes against scripture. Uh, now we continue. Um, we foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heterosexual normally thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexuals. I think I read that earlier. Um, we cultivate an intergenerational and communal work free from ageism. We believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and learn. We embody practice liberation and peace in our engagement with one another. So that's on the front page in terms of what we believe. But there's also other areas on the website that kind of uh, that they speak of that we need to be mindful of as well. So if you Google uh, or just look at their search engine, there is an article uh, on their website called Who We Are. And right in the beginning, it says this. We are abolitionists. We believe that prisons police, and all other institutions that inflict violence on black people must be abolished and replaced by institutions that value and affirm, flourishes, affirm the flourishing of black lives. Uh, we believe in centering the, experience, the experiences and leadership of the most marginalized black people, including but not limited to those that are trans, queer, women, and femmes, currently informally incarcerated immigrants, disabled, working class, and poor. So, this will start with this uh, first part. We are abolitionists, and what this means is that they, uh, they're, they're, they want to like dismantle the government uh, and have a different type of structure. And I, I think I get what they're saying. Like, yeah, we want to. This kind of goes into the second one that we agree with. Like, if there's any actual institution that are directly targeting black people, then yeah, we should be against that because that's wrong. That's immoral. The Bible speaks that we need our justice needs to be. Uh, you know, what's right needs to be right. It needs to be consistent. Um, but at the same time, I, do, I sometimes think there's the language in which you hear these people is, uh, in the group. It's like they want to dismantle all forms of government. Romans 13.1 tells us that government is, by, is from the Lord, um, is established to suppress evil. Um, 1 Peter 2 uh, 
Let me read this. First Peter two thirteen to twenty. First Peter two thirteen. First Peter two thirteen to twenty. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, act as free men, and do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So Christians, even if we are under a very terrible um, uh, group of, uh, under terrible government, we're still called to honor them. I think our culture thinks that uh, uh, submitting to the government in almost in every capacity has some sort of, is, is, is wrong. Uh, but we know that like even though our government and every government, although it's flawed, it is designed by God to check evil. And we know that not every government is perfect. So yes, uh, uh, there are areas in which we can uh, pr- protest again or even ask if we can change, but that does not mean that um, that, that overthrowing government, which, you know, some of the language in which other people are using really seems like they want to get rid of government altogether. And I don't think um, that's biblical. You know, we need to submit to the government. Um, again, there's part of when I see this movement, um, part of what they're saying, like, I get what they're saying, but in a lot of ways, this is really centered around Western thinking. You know, they said they want to get rid of Western idea of patriarchal society. Black Lives Matters only work in a Western, in a Western thinking world. So maybe places like Europe or America, Canada, stuff like that, but it'll never work in another nation where they don't think in terms of liberty. Um, they, like, the Black Lives Matter would not work in a place like China or even in places in Africa. You know, they don't care about these things. Um, so it's, it's really strange in which they try to argue why they want to overthrow certain governments as if government itself is evil. Uh, but it's not. Uh, government itself is not evil because uh, God established government. But people in it are evil, and they can. Uh, but those are people that um, we still need to be subjected to. Right? The, all of the uh, apostles and even the early church were under very wicked leadership, and they are called to still submit to them. Um, it's been said for Second Peter or First Peter, where Peter tells people to um, you know pay taxes, submit to the government. And we know in church history that same government that Peter's telling the people to submit to, they probably have to pay the taxes that ended up being used for his own crucifixion. You know, Christians, we understand that we need to submit to the government. Our hope is not to destroy or abolish government because we're called to submit to them. Um, again, as bad as they are, um, it is worse without government. And um, for those of you that Joiners, you understand how crazy this is because we went through the book of Judges. Whenever a nation decides to do what's right in their own eyes, it will plunge everyone. It will leave the society desolate and worse uh, than having a government. So that's their view of government. It's they, they admit they're abolitionists. They want to. Uh, some seems to indicate they just need reform, and I think we're for that. Others seem to be like, just get rid of it altogether, and we're against that. And that's why they're kind of muddled in their language at times because certain people in the group will say one thing and others will say another, but we just need to have a biblical understanding of what the government is. Next, uh, another part of the website, if you Google 
there's a there's two actually I can think of. One actually is not on the website, one is, but I'll tell you the website and both of them so you can look it up. There's one on the website. It's called In Response uh, to the State of the Union. So this is in context of what it's saying. He, Trump made a speech and they're basically responding to it. But there's one thing that they said here that, that goes to their next point in terms of their understanding of human life. It reads, we deserve and thus demand Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, we deserve and thus we demand reproductive justice that gives us autonomy over our bodies and our identities while ensuring that our children and families are supported, safe, and able to thrive. So what does that mean, reproductive um, re- reproductive justice? Um, and if you jump to, if you Google color lines, they have an article called Black Lives Matter Partner with Reproductive Justice Group for to Fight for Black Women. So it says this. Uh, 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 sorry, let me find this one section. Okay. Uh, I, don't know, I might have just had to summarize, but basically. What they what their demands are is that they have the right to oh here it is okay um, we we but we believe it's necessary to take a proactive approach in changing culture and stigma about black women and abortion and so and so in that way we have used similar tactics so we put up our own billboards with affirming messages like we did in Cleveland that talk about parents having the right to have childrens. And, par- and parent their children without fear that he or she will be hurt or killed. That the freedom, that freedom form from uh, type of from them, freedom from violence is uh, reproductive justice. As we, as so, and so we can use our message that actually speaks to our condition in a way that talk about the complexity of life, the complexity of living as a black person in America, or the complexity intersection with poverty and violence. So it's clear that in, um, I'm trying to find the other, there are other places in this, this little Q&A uh, that they're doing about affirming uh, black women, but they also basically affirm that you need to, you, sh- you have the right to abort. Um, and we know that there is, um, from bib- biblically speaking, that this is unbiblical, that abortion is a sin. Um, Psalm 139 verse 14 says that God knit us in the womb. Uh, but even in the Old Testament, it was it is always a grave abomination to the Lord when the Israelites were willing to sacrifice their children to the god Molech. Molech was this, he looks like a, a bull, he looks like a, he has like a bull-looking head, and he um, there's like a iron cast that's under him. Uh, so you have to think like you know those Benihana type things or or Korean barbecue. Think of it, there's like this stone that's right in front of this uh, statue. This this pagan god and what the <clears throat> canaanites would do is that they will light this um, stone to as hot as it can and then they will just put a baby onto it like a live baby onto this thing and burn it alive and god sees that as offensive to him in deuteronomy 12 verse 31 and i'm just going to summarize uh i'm just going to list some passages but you can look it up on your own so deuteronomy 12 31 
uh, Exodus 20, verse 13, Leviticus 18, 21, Leviticus 24. Um, these are all passages where God says that that is a, a grave offensive because the kids belong to him. These kids are his. He created all of them in the womb, and these Israelites are offering it to Molech. Um, uh, oh, okay, I found it. I think I found the quote. We are guided by the fact that Black Lives Matter, in affirming Black Lives Matter, uh, we not need to qualify ourselves to love, desire, freedom, and justice for ourselves for wanting the same for others. We desire, and thus we demand reproductive justice. Okay, sorry, that's, I already read this part. But anyways, uh, going back to the passages, uh, it offends the Lord that people are willing to kill the infant. This is outside the womb, by the way. Um, uh, and I think some people now think it's like, Oh yeah, of course we won't kill people outside the womb, but that's actually not true, because we know that when, if you actually understand how an abortion works, the baby doesn't always necessarily die when they try and extract the baby in the womb. Once they pull it out, sometimes they have to kill it there. Um, New York uh, last year signed uh, a, a, basically a, something as a law that says that you can pretty much abort at nine months, at the very end, and. Like at some point, there's always this debate: where is that line between it's okay and not? They're just saying it doesn't matter. It's the it's the right of the women to decide when that is, um, and we know that's wicked. Uh, that's uh, abortion is a sin, a grave sin against the Lord. First Kings eleven seven. And what's crazy about this is First Kings eleven. This is after Solomon's peak. You know, this is uh, Solomon after his 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 very uh, after he reigned. Uh, and, and did all these amazing things. Even he gave uh, uh, homage to Molech and these uh, and these pagan gods. And he's the greatest, the wisest king at that time. Uh, uh, practiced this thing, and it was offense to the Lord. Second uh, Kings twenty three verse ten and Jeremiah thirty two verse thirty five. They all speak of the heinous reality of the killing of the unborn, or in the Old Testament case, the killing of just innocent children. And we understand this builds off the idea that man is made in the image of God. So for the people to want to purge any life is offensive to the Lord. That's why I think for some people, they don't they, they see it as a, a contradiction. Why would Black Lives Matter be people that are for abortion? Because isn't abortion designed to, I mean, it was, it was designed to regulate the population of African Americans. Why would they be supportive of this? Um, but yet, there's, this is what happens when the world lives and do what's right in their own eyes. So we spoke on, just looking at their websites, human sexuality, um, government, value of life, male leadership, uh, uh, the family, the home, and identity. Uh, and there's one that I will briefly touch on, and I think Roger might talk about it more when it comes to theology, uh, but it's this idea of forgiveness. Their understanding of forgiveness is not really forgiveness. It's penance. It's, it's not really, and, and by penance, you have to always constantly work your way back into doing uh, something that's right in their eyes in terms of like, okay, now you finally met our standard of, of, of justice. Um, but there's always questions, even things like uh, um, paying back uh, rep reparations, like how, like, there's, all, there's just all these questions about that. Like, how do you determine how much one gets what about those who are not black but are a minority? What about those that are uh, white slaves? What about those that are uh, half black and white? Um, what or or mixed in the city? Who gets how much? Who gets what? Does the, does the celebrities get more if they have some history, or do they get less because they're rich? 
you know, how do you prove that? How do you just, and how do you prove that you are, you know, part of this lineage? How do you decide uh, these things? And yet they weren't really, even this group aren't clear in terms of what they want. They just, um, they just want us, uh, people who want the, whoever the white people or whoever's superior, those in, in, in the ruling class to, to give to them. But again, biblically, um, we know that this is not, um, what God expects of us. Again, jumping up some passages, Leviticus 6, 5 and Numbers 5, 8. Both of these passages speak in like, if someone hurt you and offend you, then you need to owe that person back. Like if they, if you accidentally killed one of their animals, you need to pay them back. Um, but it's not like if someone else killed your animals and another person that's not even involved has to pay for your issue. Or even Ezekiel where it speaks about how the kids do not need to pay the sins for the adults. Um, it's, it's, it's that the adult, the father, they're the ones that's supposed to pay if they're the one that sinned. Um, so these, this idea of like, okay, we have to fix what the, the, the past has done, that's actually against biblical justice. In fact, even in Leviticus 3, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 3, this is what John the Baptist said uh, when he was calling people to repent. Luke chapter 3, verse um, 10 to 14. The crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said, Collect no more than what we have been, what you have been ordered to. Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, What about us? What shall we do? And he said, Do not take money from anyone or accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. You know, so, so he's ta- calling them to repentance, to stop what they're doing and do what's right. And I can't think of the exact passage right now, but even when when someone was, there was a guy that came to Christ and said, uh, once they got saved, he said he'll pay back all the things that he's, uh, all the people that he's, uh, he's collected money from unjustly. See, Christians understand that we are, that repentance is, is, is first is to the Lord and, and second is to horizontal relationships, but we only ask for forgiveness to those that we've actually offend. This group expects uh, equality from everyone, but the Bible actually expects more. Not only are we supposed to uh, do our best to reconcile one another because of what Christ has done, but we're called to love in a way that is far more than what uh, they want. These people want equality. But the Bible doesn't even speak in those terms. It speaks to us that we need to give our lives to other people, that we're willing to uh, give up all that we have for those that are in need. Um, and, 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 you know, Christ said that there's no greater love than this, that those are willing to lay down their life for their brothers. So um, we'll t- I think Roger will touch on this again a little bit more down the line. Uh, but again, they understand human sexuality. They understand forgiveness, government, value of, of, of life, uh, male leadership, the family, and identity, all of these things are on their website, and this is what they believe, and this is what they hold to. And, the, and these things, some of them in their language may sound like biblical, but there's a lot of things that are just blatantly, no, this is not what the Bible teaches, and it's a sin against the Lord to hold to these views. So why am I bringing this stuff up? Um, what, what is the point of all of this? I think, you know, in the recent weeks, I think as a pastor, and I'm not speaking specific, oh, not, put this way, I'm not speaking only to SFBC, um, because I've been seeing things even in other churches that there's just a divide for how to approach this. And I think we need to be discerning biblically. Um, we need to know what the Bible has to say about these issues. Um, how we 
quote unquote fix the problem might be different, but there should still be a foundation in which we operate by. Uh, it's and again, it's, it's very hard to accept this movement despite how little we agree on. And I think Christians need to be critical thinkers about them, um, just like we are to be in every area of our life, that we shouldn't just bandwagon onto any um, movement that comes into place, that we need to actually uh, step back and evaluate what is this about. Uh, most people, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, and again, not just SFBC, but people would post things online about, you know, like they would put the hashtag or they'll put the little black thing on their social media, the blue, all of these things. And, you know, the world, I think the world thinks that's supporting them. But you have to understand by saying these things and putting those things, you're also affirming what they believe as well. Whether you are aware of it or not, you might think, well, I only affirm the first two things about like uh, black lives and, and, and overthrowing corruption. But they don't know that. The world, the watching world, does not see the difference because they don't know what you hold to. They don't know that you uh, hold to the view of sexuality because I wonder if they know that what they, what you hold to, well, they just ask you, hey, can you not put the hashtag anymore because you're not part of our group. You can't hold to what the Bible has to say and then hold to what we believe in Black Lives Matters. Now, we need to understand that um, this is what they believe. And my fear my honest fear out of a love and concern as a pastor is that as a, and again, not just the SFBC, but as the, even the American culture as, as a whole, that this could be the catalyst of a, of a drift in the church. Um, the book of Galatians speaks to this, exactly to this issue. Um, Paul in Galatians, he's writing to a whole bunch of churches and he speaks like he's asking them, because uh, okay, he's writing to a whole bunch of churches because this church all of these churches have fallen under the false teaching of the Judaizers. The Judaizers have crept into the church and they have told them that, yeah, we're cool, this gospel thing, but here's all these other laws that you need to have. Otherwise, you are not a Christian. And Paul, and you will notice in the book of Galatians, it starts differently from the rest of the epistles because it doesn't speak on the way like, oh, um, the other epistles say, like, oh, um, grace to you in peace. This goes straight into the issue. This is this. Actually, it does say grace to you in peace, but it doesn't give like the original, like the starting usual um, introduction where he speaks of all these good things. It just goes straight into the problems. Galatians 1 verse 6, I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace for a different gospel, which, which is really not another. Only there are, though, there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be a curse. As we have said before, so I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be a curse. Now, again, if you look at what they believe and you look at scripture, you have to conclude that the things that they're teaching and the things that they hold are contrary to scripture. And their definition of salvation is that you hold to these things and it makes it to a different scripture. And again, I talk about how there's intersectionality, right? I thought, like, um, Intersectionality is a hermeneutical, but it's also in some ways in an, uh, uh, a religion as a whole. In fact, if you look at the way that they describe all of these things, like penance, even what they believe, it really is not that far off from what the Roman Catholic Church is like. Think about what they've been telling people to do. Say their name, right? Say his name, say her name. What does that sound like? In the Roman Catholic Church, they have these saints 
that they have to say their name too because of this person. We want to remember them and we attribute certain things to them, certain value to them. Uh, or, or even like with forgiveness, you can't be, for, there's no forgiveness. You have to always work. You have to do all these things to overthrow things and get rid of your whiteness. But that's a different gospel. And Paul even speaks in Galatians about the, the these Judaizers that made um, Peter a, a stumble. And it was a racial issue. Galatians 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. But prior to coming for prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in, in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in the presence of all, you, if you, being a Jew, live like a Gentile, and not like the Jews, how is it, how is that you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners by, from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through him in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Look at this list of what they believe and what they're trying to have people do. There's no way that you could obtain salvation through this. There's no way that you can, there's no end to this because it thrives, like I said on the first one, it really thrives on vengeance. It thrives on trying to get even with people. But that I, I understand even is subjective. This is why when Christians are saying that they're for this, even if they're, whether they know it or not, they're affirming this uh, false gospel. Again, uh, we are called to be discerning in, in, in this area. Lack of doctrinal clarity makes us focus on pragmatism instead of faithfulness. And we should strive to know God's word and live out the Lord, the God's word faithfully. And again, why, because the first question is why am I bringing the second question I just have for us to think about why are we apologizing to this? Um, and again, this is, I don't know who's apologizing. I know some people are. And again, I'm, if this is not you, you can kind of just listen and, and not, I'm not speaking to you. But I'm speaking to those who have nothing to do with this and are apologizing. I think um, that that's, that's unbiblical. Now, biblical confession is this. Matthew 5, it tells us that if, oh no, sorry, in um yeah, Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, 13, uh, if there's anyone that, that we've, that, uh, that, that, that you know, we know that we've sinned against or have some problem against us, we are called to go ourselves and reconcile that relationship. Uh, sorry, that's, that's Matthew 5, 21, not 13. 5, 31 is like, uh, wait, no, sorry, not, not 5, 31. Um, in, in the, oh, I'm sorry, I'm blinking out right now. But in Matthew, it says it describes how uh, if there, if you are at the temple and you've realized that there's someone that's against you, you need to go, or someone that's wronged against you, you need to leave the thing at your your stuff at the altar and go and restore that relationship. Now, I do believe that if someone's if you've actually committed some sort of sin against a person, you need to go and make that right. Because that's what the Christ-like thing to do. You need to. Uh, Christ expects us to reconcile those relationships because that's what we're called to be. Uh, we want to be peacemakers. If you if you personally have done something wrong, then you need to do it. If it's a public sin, also if it's a public sin, you need to go and 
confess that publicly, meaning if, per, if you did something to someone in person, you need to confess that. Now, if there's something like just thoughts that you have are sinful, you need to confess those to the Lord. You don't need to go and, and say, hey, I thought about you in this way. Can you forgive me? That's, that's kind of weird because some people may not know, right? Like I think even the, the Black Lives Matter movement is saying that you need to say sorry for just the thoughts to someone that you may not have even offended. But again, I don't think that's biblical. If you have a thought that's immoral, the Lord sees that and you need to confess it to him. And you need to go and make rights to, if you actually did do something wrong, you need to make a right to other people. So our understanding of reconciliation is different from the way they describe it. We shouldn't be apologizing for something that we didn't do. But if you did do something, go and reconcile. Uh, go and, um, uh, you know, don't leave the thing at the altar, leave your offering at the altar and go and make things right. But why are Christians so obsessed? I don't know, obsessed is a strong word, but why are Christians so drawn to this? This is where um, Matthew 5, 13 comes up. I suspect that the reason why the Christians, and this is me suspecting, I suspect that the reason why Christians are really drawn to this movement is because we were not faithful to the Lord. Because as Christians, if you were faithful to the Lord, then black lives always should have mattered to you. That's why in the first part I said, if you asked me, does black lives matter 10 years ago, I would have, any biblical thinking person would affirm yes. But it's not like all of a sudden, uh, because of what happened four years ago, that now suddenly black lives matter. We, as Christians, should already have a biblical lens in how to view race or ethnicity. We know that every man is made in the image of God. If we want to love them, because of, you know, first of all, we love God and we need to love them, um, because that's the greatest commandment. And, you know, we, we want to treat others the way you want to be treated. So even if you engage someone who's a different ethnicity, you have to think to yourself, how would I want to speak to that person? How would I want to be spoken to? Right? Like you speak to them based on the respect, the kindness, uh, the patience, uh, the love that you want to be, that you want to receive. And that's what we're supposed to be towards other people. I think that they're, um, they're, part of the reason why people are really into this is because they fail to be godly. In their failure to be salt and light into the world, they're being trampled on. This is Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under the foot of men. I honestly think that the reason why this, is so, this resonates with so many people is because they, in their mind, realized that they were not living a, a Christ-like life. Because if you were living a life that is filled with love for the Lord and love for your neighbor, this movement is not going to change you any, any bit. Because you already love our, our, our not just black lives, but every life. You love them because of who Christ is. But because of our failure to obey God and our failure to live out the scriptures, we become a useless type of salt. So then we're, in a lot of ways, putting these hashtags and doing all of these things to play catch-up with where we lack. That's why when we, when, whenever we preach on like evangelism or, or Rogers doing a series on the one another, you have to do these things because the more you do these things, the more of a salt and light you will be. It doesn't matter how many times you've listened to a sermon if you don't apply it to your life. And every time when you fail to apply it to your life, every time when you fail to, every time you're negligent with God's word, yeah, you lose the saltiness that you're supposed to be and you lose that light. I think our culture doesn't view the church in a positive light because our light has diminished because of our compromises that we make. We make we make um, we're okay when it comes to terms of uh, the you know the way that our, our lifestyle we, we look too much like the world. 
I mean, just even look at the way that we view politics. We are, as Christians, we can differ on things, but the way that we communicate should always be saturated with love. We should always be, we should not be like the world when they debate about things. They debate, the world debates and they're angry and they're filled with spite. But even if Christians, the way we dialogue with each other or on social media or whoever we're talking to, it should always be with grace and kindness. It should be filled with self-control. It should be what the Galatians tells the fruit of the spirits. We should have these things. These things should be our default, uh, um, the way that we are, because that's how we are as new creatures in Christ. So that I don't think that Christians need to be woke. I think Christians need to repent. Because if you follow what God's word has to say, you will always be staying on the side of justice, biblical justice. You would have always loved uh, your brothers and sisters of any ethnicity. And you would always cry out for justice. You will see things that are immoral and you will call those things out. You will not let immoral things get through. Again, this is why we agree with the first two, because it does have in it some things that are in line with the biblical worldview. But when we fail to do those things because what the Bible tells us, we allow the world to have to gain influence and we become useless in a sense. I think all these marches is just, I think as Christians are going through all these marches, there's a sense in which they are being trampled because their saltiness is being, is, is they've just, there's the taste of their salt is gone. They're no longer the light that they should be. So as Christians, we need to strive to live holy lives. We need to confess the sins that, to the Lord in our failures, in, our, in, in the way that we love our neighbors, in the way that we think about them, the way that we communicate and inter- interact with them. Um, but, but if we were doing these already, then your conscience should be clear. But if you fail, then you need, to, you, need to, you need to repent. Don't be woke, repent. So what do we do? So I, I talk about what am I, uh, why am I pointing this stuff out? Why are we apologizing? And, what, and, and now, what do we do? Like as I just said, do good, but not according to what Black Lives Matter describe as good, but what Jesus Christ says as good. Out of a love for him, we love our neighbor. Out of a love for the Lord, we care about our, our brothers and sisters. You know, we clothe them when they're in need. We, 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 we do our best to, with the sphere of influence that we have, to care for those that are in need. Uh, but this, the standard should not be because what Black Lives Matter has to say, but because we have a higher standard and a greater love that's found in Scripture. Again, going back to Galatians, Galatians 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, standing firm and do not subject again to the yoke of slavery. This is in the context of the law. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under God's obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to justify by law. You have fallen from grace, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness, for in Christ neither circumcision nor, nor uncircumcision mean anything, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the, in the, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The flesh sets the desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for they're in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evidence, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, dissension, factions, envying one another, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these and things like these for of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one uh, in a spiritual gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burden and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What do we do? I think Galatians 5 tells us that we need to do we need to understand that our freedom is in the grace of God, that you don't need to feel any guilt because this group is telling you to feel guilty. If you truly have sin, understand even those sins are being are have already been nailed to the cross. So don't operate against some sort of new law. Rather, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Be like Christ. We're called against to be to do to live in a higher standard of love. And when we do these things, we can be a salt again to the world. The world doesn't love its enemies. They want payback. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called to love them even if we are even if if, if injustice is done to us. We're called to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is what we are called to do. This is why we need to be faithful in uh, our lives. And in, in we need to be able to uh, live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, one final thing. If you listen to my message on protests, which is under, I think under response to recent events, you'll notice that I did say that you can protest uh, because there are things like the walk for life. So if some of you are wondering, well, what's the difference between doing Black Lives Matter, marching with them, and marching for life? Black Lives Matter have these things that we hold to, and they're obviously people that don't hold to our view. Why can't we be part of Black Lives Matter, but yet be part of Walks for Life, when Walks for Life has a whole bunch of Catholics and Mormons and all these different views? What is the difference between the two? Why is there one that we're okay for stop to stop uh, um you know, injustice, uh, why is being part of Black Lives Matter such a danger and being part of Walks for Life not a danger? Because Walk for Life, if you look at their website, they're not actually asking you to conform to anything other than the preservation of the unborn. If you look at their site, they're not saying, okay, here's all the stuff that we believe, and if you don't hold to these things, then you're not part of the group. The only thing that they say on their site, there's, I think there's two things, and they're both like, we just want to preserve the life of the unborn. So there's an emphasis there. If you if you want to be if this protest if Black Lives Matter was only strictly those two things about abolishing uh, a corrupt government or uh, structures that are racist 
and also preserving the life of black lives, I think every Christian can have a good, clear conscience of going and be part of this. But because they hold to such views that are contrary to scripture, you have to decide between you and the Lord whether or not this is a group that you want to align yourself with. Because historically, whenever there is a group that infiltrates the, the mind of Christians and in the church that maybe have some things that are true and other things that are not, eventually the drift will come. If you look at uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, when he was going through the downgrade controversy, it was exactly the same thing. There were just people that went into the church that had some things that we would agree with. And it's through that infiltration that the entire, uh, basically the church in England at the time, fell to, to liberalism. Liberalism. They started denying the inerrancy of scripture, started denying aspects of God. And as I even read through the book of Galatians, that happened in the church of Galatia as well. All of these churches in Galatia were impacted because a group of people came and said, yeah, we're cool with this Jesus Christ character, but you have to work your way into heaven to prove that you are right before the Lord. And that's what I think this group is trying to do within the context of the church. It strives to try to infiltrate the churches. And, and even though um, we as Christians have the Bible, we need to be discerning. We need to be Bereans. This group will not be the last group. There will be other groups that will try to have things that we would agree with and try to infiltrate us in hopes that it could gain footing on us to try to turn us to a different gospel. And that's why I hope that we, as a church, will be firm in, that we know what the, what the people say, and we can know it because that's, we have a biblical lens, and we discern truth and error. That's it for part two. I know this is a little bit longer, um, but... If you have any other further questions, feel free to email me. I would love to discuss more of this with you. Um, Roger is going to take the reins next. He's going to focus on the theology. He might do it in two parts as well um, because there's a lot to cover there. Um, so look forward to that, and I hope that this is going to help us have a better clarification and even um, a better clarification of their group and what we need to be as Christians as well. Okay, let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We trust your word. And we always want to be able to be um, discerning Christians, knowing your truth, and be able to measure everything against your word, uh, not to, not any other standard, Lord. And we, and we confess, Lord, if there are any moments in our life where we fail to be salt and light, um, where we made these compromises where the world does not, because of our compromises, fail to make an impact on those around us. Uh, we confess moments where we're not obedient to you, where we, because of our sin and our shortcomings, uh, we've diminished the beauty and the fragrance of you, Lord. We ask that we can, that you give us grace, that we're empowered by grace, uh, so that we can impact um, those around us, that, those that are, that are in our sphere of influence, Lord. Um, give us um, grace and a desire to love and to be holy, uh, because you're a holy God. Lord, we ask um, that you just continue to uh, be with us during the, these trying times and confusing times, Lord. Uh, pray, we thank you for this time where we can study your word together. Praise these things in your son's name. Amen.